Welcome to Bad Law, Worst Facts. I'm your co-host, Mike Tackler. And Jeff McCarthy. And today we got the guys from Crash Tech. Now, you guys have your own podcast, and we decided, hey, let's, let's, let's kind of meet up and talk about it. Before we get into that, you know, tell me a little bit about you guys. Yeah, so uh, my name's Eric Brown. My partner here is Phil Rally, And uh, we do, we, we've met, uh, what, back in 2011, Phil, I think? At, uh, there, yep. Yeah, we were both sitting for uh, the accreditation exam to become accredited in reconstruction. And uh, I was in front of Phil because I was, I was the uh, good kid in, in the class and he was throwing the <laughs> on the back of my head the whole time. And <laughs> so, but you know, we looked around in the industry and, and saw uh, kind of the shortcomings of, of what we perceived in the reconstruction industry. And we're like, man, I, I think this could be done better. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to open a company. And uh, Phil's like, that sounds fun. But you, you want some help? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, from that day, it just kind of, it grew from there and, uh, we've just, you know, been partying ever since and, uh, continuing to, to kind of grow the brand. And that led into the podcast to give people, uh, an inside view at us because of our polar opposites. But I think that's what makes us such a good team and, and really helped to grow the reconstruction company. Um, because I, I would say I'm, I'm probably the, uh, what's the nice way to put it? I'm the aggressive one. <laughs> and Phil's the very conservative one. So it keeps us uh, balancing each other out quite well. <laughs> we, you definitely need that juxtaposition for, for sure. For, and, and I love the fact that this company spawned very naturally out of a need in the marketplace. And, I, and, and you summed it up perfectly that sometimes I, I feel like starting a business can, can feel so overwhelming. But the core facts of is it needed? Yes. Can we do it? Yes. Then then just do it. And it sounds like that's what you guys did. And, and you know, the same thing with anything. Um, you know, there's all these little things that go in between. But, you know, kind of the clouds and dirt of all of it is, is just that. And, and you're right. The, this marketplace and particularly accident reconstruction is something that is desperately needed, uh, underutilized mm -hmm. and, and, and can you've hit the nail on the head, you know, can be done way better than it currently is by, you know, most yeah. people in, in this space. Yeah. And, and I love, um, we, we get hate mail. I love hate mail. I <laughs> <laughs> Wheaties in the morning. So I'm just going to say it. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I, I looked around and I saw a bunch of old guys that were like super boring. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm like, this is, this is the best we can do. Really? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I think it's time for some, some new blood out there. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of drove the decision, I think, to get into it. And, um, you know, we, we definitely go in some directions, uh, not saying that we don't uh, follow, you know, the, the accepted methods and sciences, but I'm saying is we definitely, I, I think we've pushed in some directions that other people haven't previously thought of. And, and that has led us to kind of set some trends um, that other people then try and follow rather than us just following and doing what everybody else has done. Yeah. So, you know, you know, before we get into it, you know, kind of give our viewers kind of an overview of what is accident reconstruction. You know, I mean, we're talking to younger lawyers here. They probably had their rear enders here and there, and then they've got a case where they're like, wait a minute, you know, am, I think my client is in the right, but how do I actually prove my clients in the right? Yeah, Phil, go for it, man. You're the, you're the smart one. He fills the brain of the operations. Yeah, up so that, that's a that's setting the bar pretty high. I don't know. If I, can jump, <laughs> I don't know if I can jump that high. <laughs> it, it really is taking a look at um, you know your your basic police officer goes to the academy and everybody gets you know an accident investigation training which encompasses you know 40 hours or what have you depending on where you're at, what state, etc. Um, and 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 that's pretty much what they know, but on the accident reconstruction field or side of things, you're looking at a lot more. You're looking at a very deep uh, look at things such as contributing circumstances. And that's huge because crashes aren't always clear cut of, you know, this car hits this car. And it, but the question is always, why did the car hit that car or why did the car hit that pedestrian or motorcycle or whatever it is? You know, so going back in time, what, what, what was the driver doing? How did environment contribute to it? How did, 
you know, distraction or uh, mechanical failure or just, and that's way beyond your uh, first responding officer at the scene. They just do not get that level of training. And I'm not saying they're doing it wrong, but they only know what they know. And when you don't know what you don't know, that's where it becomes uh, our field of, uh, of play, our sandbox. Um, because you, your famous saying, like Phil's big famous saying is, uh, um, every vehicle brings something to a crash. Absolutely. That's just that's such a unique way of looking at things of, you know, cause how many police officers or attorneys, you guys get the report and it's like, Hey, unit one was at fault. They turned left in front of that guy. And you're like, eh, all right. But what did the guy going straight? He also brought something to the crash. What'd he bring? Yeah. And that's what you're looking for. You know, you're looking for those, those contributing circumstances. What did each party bring uh, to the event? Because if, if people say, well, my client didn't bring anything because they were just stopped. Okay. Then they brought something to the event. They were there. The only way you bring nothing is if you're not there. Um, and, and it's looking at all of that. And then how do all the contributing circumstances intertwine with one another? And, and you know, and the big thing is that, that we see and have seen for years, Eric and I have talked at length about this for a long time is cause versus fault. Um, no, we never talk about that. You know, the, 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 the cause of the crash is very simple. You know, what car hit the other one or, you know, whether it was a path intrusion or, you know, if it's a turning event, whatever the case may be, the cause is very easy to find, but fault lies in the contributing circumstances. And that's where you're digging into. That's where your investigation is going. Um, if you just stop at cause, you're doing half the job. You probably shouldn't be investigating crashes. Yeah. You know, one, one issue that I always have a problem with, and you know, Jeff and I in, in depots with these police officers, you know, we think the police officer got the crash report wrong and you know, we ask them, well, hey, look, if we get an accident reconstructionist on this and they say that it was actually the defendant at fault, would you hold that to be true? I mean, would you listen to him over your advice? And we've had officer after officer say, no, I was at the scene. I, you know, I, I looked at all the you know, tread marks. I looked at this. I looked at that. And there's no way um, that I would hold anyone else's there. I, I was there. I mean, what do you say to people like that? So uh, I my, my thing, I'm going to jump on this one, Eric, first. Um, I guess in something like that, that's great. You saw it. Did you document it? Did you properly document it? And then are you trained to determine what that means? What's that evidence telling you? Um, are you able to analyze that evidence? Just because you saw it and documented it is great. Thank you. We appreciate that in the accident recon field. Um, but do you know what to do with it? Do you know what it means? You know, um, do they know the difference between different type of tire marks and what those different tire marks are and, and how they come to be what they are and so on. And, and oftentimes the answer is no. Um, I appreciate the fact that they're there. That's great. I, I love the fact that they're detail oriented and go after the evidence and photograph the crap out of everything and take measurements. Outstanding. Um, but that is about the end of their scope of expertise unless they are an accident reconstructionist, then I would expect more, uh, yeah. more from them. And, you know, the other thing too, that, that I always say, and, and we talked about this in a, in a previous episode of our podcast, even was how many times do you guys get an accident report from the officer? Right. And unit one or the at fault unit there, there's always a section that for contributing circumstances. And so they'll mm -hmm. put whatever failure to yield turning left excessive speed or the, the go-to failure to control right? Which is the biggest cop out in the world. If you if for any attorney listening to this, if you have failure to control marked on your report as a contributing circumstance, call a reconstructionist because <laughs> that officer didn't know what he was doing. Took the easy way out. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, then for the other unit, what do they mark? None. 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 Oh, they didn't contribute at all. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on guys. Yeah. So <laughs> it feels a hundred percent right. They, you know, the first responders are great at documenting the scene and collecting the evidence, but then you have to go to training and it's not just 40 hours of training. It's years. I mean, I could have had a double doctorate by now. And I think Phil's right there too, of, you know, the amount of training we've been to, to learn what to do with that evidence that's been collected, how to interpret it. And yeah. so it becomes a very big um, task 
and, and it's very specific. And so this is what makes it so different is you have police officers that gather it. And then on the flip side, you have people that come out of college that try and dabble in this, but all they have is a degree. And what you really need are your reconstructionists that have that law enforcement background that have been on the scenes, have mm -hmm. seen that evidence, but then have now gone on to advanced schooling to learn how to interpret and analyze the evidence. Yeah, you know, my favorite thing, if I'm putting on my defense hat, which I'm, I'm slowly creeping up to the amount of years on plaintiff side than I was on the defense side, but my favorite thing is I get a crash report. And if the crash report is favorable, you call opposing counsel and say, look, I got this crash report. and This is exactly what it says. But then if the, the crash report's not favorable, the phone call is, well, you know, the cop wasn't there. So, I mean, how, this is all hearsay. How could, I mean, so, you know, the, the twisting of what is put in these crash reports from people that are not qualified, um, you know, feeds the defense. It, it feeds the case. And you, you hit the nail on the head just when you said, if, if you ever see failure to control speed and, and that's actually a citation here in Texas. I know you do mm -hmm. you know, work all over um, and, and failure just has nothing to do with speed. But if there's a collision, it's like a lot of these officers and, and God bless them. They're, they're busy folks. They're, you know, they're, you know, they're out here investigating a, a you know, a rear render or something. And, you know, they just slap failure to control speed, causing a motor vehicle collision. You know, the person goes, takes offensive driving and, and they don't think of the ramifications of what's happening here because, right. you know, they're, they're trying to move on to the next call and bigger, better things when, you know, they're, they're just looking at a, um, you know, a collision where, you know, nine out of 10 times, there's no broken bones. There's no, you know, bloody mess. It's, you know, but there are, you, you know, there's injuries, right? Well, and this has always been a pet peeve of mine for years. Um, Crashes are the most under-investigated criminal act across the country um, because the mindset oftentimes that I'll hear is this is an insurance matter. We're just documenting it for insurance. Well, no, you're not. I mean, it, it, it's a crime. You know, number one, it's crime potentially, and it could be a traffic crime or it could be a traffic and criminal crime. You know, it could be a criminal element. Violation of law that resulted in somebody being hurt. Right? Yeah. You know, and, I mean, and it, oh, sorry, go ahead, Phil. No, I was gonna say, you know, you don't, you know, and that's what aggravates me because a lot of times you'll see where the agencies will put a tremendous amount of effort into a petty theft or an assault case, a simple assault case, um, and very little effort or very little additional training into their officers who are responding to crashes. Well, it, it is a form of assault, it's just a different mechanism being used. You know, the car becomes the fist. And what do you see most likely more, most of, right, as, as an officer probably starting out at least, is, is car collisions. Yeah. You'd figure they have a little bit more training to, to do that. Yeah. So, so surprisingly, I will say, I, I think from a, a law enforcement standpoint, crashes are an officer's least favorite thing to do. And I've so, heard that. No way. <laughs> Shocker. They've got more important things to do, right? And, uh, and so it, it's weird because – I'll pull up on a rookie and they're, they're trying to rush and get out of taking a crash. And I'm like, why don't you slow down? Well, I want to, I want to free up. Okay. Why? What do you, what do you look at the screen? What's holding? Oh, I, this, this report for a theft. Okay. So you're going to rush this report to go take another report. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're not stopping the theft in progress. Like, yeah, just take yeah. the report. and, uh, but you know, most cops hate taking crashes in most cities. If you think about it and you know, you guys are, are in a bigger city. So it, it you guys would see this there is think of all the resources that the city of Houston spends. If two crack dealers or, you know, crack dealer and crackhead get into a dispute and one shoots and kills each other. This is an illegal drug transaction and they're going to call in multiple detectives, crime scene unit, probably somebody to like scan scene, forensic experts, evidence people, multiple shift cars, perimeter cars, right? And, and they're going to have spent all this time, weeks, potentially months tracking down a crack dealer shot a crackhead right? But you have a, a crash where somebody kills somebody else and they might send one, maybe two officers to investigate. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's the reality of the situation yeah. and, it, and it's crazy, but it happens all across, all around the world. I've yeah. never talked to a department that hasn't done that. And that's just, that's the cities. It's not the officer's fault. That's just the way the cities 
view crashes versus violent crime. Well, the interesting thing here in Harris County, they have a policy here. If the collision incurs less than $2,500 worth of damage and there's no injuries, they're instructed not to take a, a report. So if an officer comes on scene and he observes that, he says, look, just go fill out this form. I'm not going to write it and drives away. And then I keep thinking, when did this guy become a body shop estimator? How does he know, <laughs> you know? Like, what, what just happened here? This makes no sense, you know, but, uh, well, yeah. One victim has to go to the hospital and have x-rays on their neck. You just blew by 25 grand. Well, you know, I can tell you what, we had, we had one collision. It wasn't particularly, you know, uh, uh, major. And then she's in an Uber going to get her image and gets in another collision. Uh, again, not very high property damage. And then strokes out, you know, due to the head trauma. And then, you know, we're looking at three, $400,000 worth of uh, medical bills. And for an officer to say, hey, look, yeah, there's no injuries here. I'm like, oh, except for the stroke that left yeah. her, you know, paralyzed yeah. for a period of time. Uh, that was yeah. pretty, pretty big deal. Uh, you know, but at the scene of the collision, you know, just because blood isn't spewing out, uh, nobody's bones are broken. It was, just, it was very much glossed over. So, yeah, I'm, and I'm sure you guys have way more stories of that than, than we do. Well, and that's, that's the main thing, and, and it kind of leads into why you need reconstructionists and things like that. So, you know, one of the things that we deal with a lot are your low property damage, low speed collisions, things like that. And they're still so significant because if you think of the weight involved in the vehicles, it doesn't take a lot of speed in order to generate a lot of force. And so we just had a crash, actually, um, that we had talked about on our podcast, too, where uh, you had a, a vehicle, a truck rear end this little old lady and uh the front bumper of his truck the the actual solid metal part hit the uh trailer hitch on the rear of her car which is bolted to her frame so when we actually looked at the speeds we're like well here this guy's generating almost two hundred and fifty thousand foot pounds of force solid metal to metal wow. contact frame to frame right and so if you, if you put that in terms of every day that people can understand if you've ever taken a, a torque wrench and torque down the lug nuts on your car. At what what torque will you snap the actual bolt for your lug nut? Normally around 350 foot pounds. Wow. So at 350, 400 foot pounds of force, you'll snap a bolt that holds your tire to your car. But she was hit with 250,000 foot pounds of force. You know. Now we can't say it's outside of our area to say what kind of injuries that would create. Like for that, you need a biomechanics expert. But to at least be able to calculate that force and then hand it off to another expert and say, hey, look, you know, here's the amount of force that she was hit with. Now, what can you do with it? And they can start to tell you, well, this would cause these kind of injuries, neck injuries, this, that, and the other. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. And it's really great. And, you know, it's interesting that, like Mike said earlier, that this is a, a podcast for, you know, the target audience or those maybe that are, uh, you know, starting this and, um, you know, getting getting into it and maybe uh have not considered bringing in accident reconstructions and and what would you tell to them or what would you say hey look this is our value add this is how we can help your case this is how we can help every one of your cases because i think that there is a cut and paste template for soft tissue only um car collisions and stepping outside that box can be a little scary you don't know what you're getting into you don't know what you're paying for but being, you know, I'd like to hear from you guys because you work with, uh, I'm sure, a giant array of attorneys of, of just how you've seen it really be successful for, for other attorneys. Yeah. So I would say the biggest thing for us is um, the sooner you can call us, the better. And so, you know, obviously I, I would say call us. Um, but I, I get it too. You know, some plug. But I will tell you, this is the way that, that our company runs. And you should expect the same out of the companies that you're using. If they don't treat you this way, then absolutely call us. I'd be more than happy to. But, um, you know, the, the big thing is you should, you should be working with a company that you trust, that you know, and, and that is not the liar for hire. First of all, find an ethical company because there are reconstruction companies out there that you can pay them to say whatever you want. Okay. You just avoid them like the plague. Don't use them. Don't stoop to that level. All right. Because there's always, like, you can always find something. It just might not be what the attorney's thinking. Because, right. you know, and, and that's where you got to trust your experts a little bit. But if they have that reputation, I guarantee, I mean, you know, working for the insurance companies, right? You knew those companies. 
So when you saw plaintiff's attorneys and they're like, oh, I'm using this company, you're like, oh, they're just a liar for hire. Yeah. You know? So the other side knows them. Guaranteed then the judge knows them. You know, everybody knows these people's reputation. So just stop using them. Don't, don't even go down that road. Find somebody reputable. But you need to call a company that won't charge for an initial review. Like when you call us, we're going to review everything that you got. We say, hey, send us over the police report, any kind of photos, statements, things like that. Let us take a look at it. And there's no charge at that. And there should never be a charge at that because we can't offer to like, I can't expect you to pay just for me to tell you, Hey, sorry, I can't help you. You know what I mean? Like that's, right. that's not fair at all. So let's at least make sure that we can help and, and be of service. And it's so interesting because the attorneys will set that scope. And, and that's, that's another important thing is that you have to have that clear communication of what you're looking for. And so, you tell the expert, you know, hey, I need to know, is there high enough speed here that the potential for injury is there? Okay, sure. So we got a speed issue. So we start looking at everything and, and me and Phil will come back and, and we always say, you know, hey, look, it doesn't look like a speed's going to be an issue, but you might want to look at this or you might want to look at, uh, you know, this, and it might take you down a path that you weren't even thinking about, <laughs> but that's okay. That path might be the one that wins the case. So you got to have experts that are, are, are really, really well versed in going down multiple areas. And, and what helps with that is, would be another, uh, you know, looking for a firm that like, for instance, me and Phil both specialize in motorcycles. I'd say that's, that's probably a little more of, of my specialty. Phil would definitely be our specialist on commercial trucks because that's what he does as, as a law enforcement officer. He's on the commercial truck enforcement unit. Um, we have pedestrian specialists, bicycle specialists, um, forensic vehicle examiners. So you have all these different specialties to really be able to wrap our heads around and say, Hey, look, maybe it's, maybe it's not actually this. Maybe we should look at this and, and go down that path. But the faster you can get us that evidence, the faster that we can at least start looking in and, and documenting and preserving things because the evidence disappears fast. Well, and, so, and a couple on to that before, before we move too far forward. Um, one of the other reasons to jump, or strike when the iron's hot. These cars, most of the cars on the road today, uh, for the most part, there's still a big chunk that aren't, but a lot of the vehicles on the road today, the airbag modules can be imaged. And that is very valuable evidence that you do not want to get away. But don't um, stop there. Oh God, don't just download it and be like, this is gospel. No, no, because <laughs> it, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole pro, you know, that, that data is great to have, but it has, you still have to do your reconstruct. Your reconstruction uh, um, is a companion to the, to the, uh, the airbag module data, but um, you know, it's not a standalone. You don't just download the module and be like, this is it. The car was doing 70 mile an hour. Maybe not. So you still have to do your reconstruction and confirm that data is, is valid. But, you know, insurance companies are quick to settle claims with their clients. So the car gets towed to the, to the tow yard. The insurance company comes down two days later, picks it up and takes it to, you know, a transfer yard where it's going to get sold from Copart or whoever. The moment they settle that claim, that title is transferred. That car is sold. Your data, your opportunity for data is gone. Uh, and you want that data. You definitely want that data. It, it's, huge to have that you know um, and, and, even if, and even if you don't know what you're going to do yet with at the, least go get it yeah just collect like we, we actually just did one of these this week where an attorney we work with all the time just calls us and he's like hey can you just go out download both cars go to the scene map it with the total station take photographs and just stop yep don't do anything with just hold on to the data you know next yeah. year maybe or something like that we might do more with it and he's a couple hundred bucks into it like, why wouldn't you do that as an attorney for a couple hundred bucks? You know what I mean? Now, all of your evidence that you ever will need to reconstruct that crash is documented, secured, and stored. Yep. Yeah, and I, you know, I can say definitively, because this actually happened to us recently, that story that you just told where there was a collision, they tow it to one of these lots that's a, an insurance company-owned lot. And without our knowledge, they pulled the data. and they came back and what they, how they messed up is they tried to surprise it on us in a deposition as opposed to saying, Oh, we're going to go pull the data. Let's do it the right way. So if, if you're thinking, if you're a plaintiff attorney out there and you're listening to this and, and you think that the opposing counsel is not doing this, 
you're completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Whether they, whether you're aware of it or not, it's happening. Absolutely. So, you know, because, and they're not going to tell you if the information is helpful to your case. And is that unethical depending on what state you're in? Absolutely. Is that a violation of discovery rules depending on what state you're in? A hundred percent. Does it happen every single day? You betcha. Yeah. Well, well and- here's, Here's my thing too, and Eric and I have talked about this, that data, don't be afraid of it. Right. It, it, whether it helps your case or hurts your case, I would rather get ahead of it. It's gonna yeah. come out. <laughs> Let it come out. I'd rather get come out and be and get in front of it and just, yeah, my client was doing 70 to 55. However, that has nothing to do, you know, maybe it was a view obstruction case. Maybe you've got a building or a tree or a whatever, you know, so the speed's irrelevant. View obstruction is your bigger animal, but it's going to come out and you, you want to know about it as soon as possible, you know? Yeah. So, and there's so many people though, that are afraid, ah, I don't want to download that because I'm afraid of what's in it. Why? Right. The other side's going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> Just get it. Yeah. yeah I, I, I agree with that. And, and Jeff and I have always been of the opinion of, you know, we'd rather find things out and then embrace the warts that they are. And we we now hold and can tell the story that it should be told as opposed to something being sprung up on us and now we can't change the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Or or they change the narrative to something very negative. For no or, reason. or fun fact, you're, you're 20 grand in, in expenses into a case and find out that it's completely your client's fault. Like, <laughs> let, me, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and and that's the whole thing right there is, you know, it's just, it's so valuable to just know, and and let's see what we're going into this with so we can, can actually form a strategy. Cause like Phil said, just because your client's going 80 and a 55 or something, that might not be the nail in the coffin. Like it might be something else that actually caused the crash. Um, Well, and here's something else to jump on that. You know, let's say in this instance, you know, you're, you, you download, you have a fear that your client is doing 80 and a 55 and you download your client's car, but what if through the course of the analysis, because they're doing 80 in the way the, 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 the evidence laid out, the other car is doing 75. Yeah. yeah. So just cause your client's doing 80, well, the other guy's doing 75. So we've got two offsetting penalties. Where, yeah. where are we going to go with it? You know what I mean? So it, just cause you know, it may not be beneficial to your case, really doesn't mean anything until the investigation or the reconstruction is done in its entirety. I'll tell you guys, it comes back that that is, that's the killer of the case. Okay. Well, I can tell you guys, I can tell you guys aren't from Texas because 75 and 80 sounds like normal (laughs) city roads down (laughs) here. (laughs) That's a school zone speed. Yeah. Watch out for those kids. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. So many people shy away from it, but you guys do it. And I see a ton of attorneys do it when, when you have that, that negative fact like that, okay. The the insurance company wants to say, Hey, listen, your guy was speeding. You download it. You're like, yep, my guy was speeding is the attorneys somehow will agree on that fact. And when it goes into court, it's like one small blur. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's like, we're just going to concede and everybody's going to agree. Yep. My guy's speeding. But then the whole trial becomes about something else. Like, so all this, you know, and then, yeah, the, the defense is going to bring it up in their closing arguments, but it's almost like everybody just kind of agreed on that and they just move on. And then we fight about the view obstruction. We fight about the left turn. We fight about the, like everything else is, is fought about. And, and so that's all the jury can remember when it, at the end of the day is, is what was actually fought about. Yeah, no, exactly. And, um, you know, another thing is, you know, plaintiff attorneys, we've got the burden of proof, Right. And so when a defense attorney tells me, well, you know, there's just not very much property damage here, Mr. Tackler. Okay, great. Well, I've got this expert who doesn't care about what the visible property damage is. We're talking about pure force, what's, what's underlying and how this occurred. So you can bring in the pictures all day, every day. But as long as, long as I have an expert who can show me and tell me the truth that, hey, this is the force that happens. And I got a doctor who says, to a reasonable degree of medical certainty, I think that uh, this person was injured in a car collision. You know, your pictures are not going to mean anything. In fact, I think your pictures are just, the more you more you wave them, the worse and worse it's going to get for you. Yeah. No. Yep, I agree. Yeah. So that's always very helpful. But here's, here's my question. And I always get confused about this. You know, I know accident reconstructions, right? And, and I've used them and 
I always get confused. Like you guys can do a lot of math. So what's, what's the difference between an accident reconstructionist who has had, you know, police officer, you know, certifications, who's done this for years. What's the difference between that person and just getting an engineer who tells me a Delta V or something like that. So there's actually a big difference and I'm, I'm glad you asked that because this is, this is a, a major thing that we do talk about is first of all, we're not bashing on anybody. Every one of these professions inside the reconstruction field has its uses and has its purpose and they're, and they're equally as important. Okay. But don't be confused because there are some engineers that were police officers or engineers that come out and uh, they get their reconstruction training. Okay. But they've never been a police officer. So when, when I talk about reconstructionists, I'm talking about police officers that later went on to either uh, get their reconstruction training or get additional degrees, things like that. When I say engineer, it's engineer whether or not they hold themselves out to be a reconstructionist, just meaning their whole course has been through uh, school only. And the big difference is, is that it, in a term I think that every attorney knows is garbage in equals garbage out. Okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so you have two different disciplines. You have guys who have spent their entire career. I mean, on average, I'd say I've responded to 12, uh, about, 700, about 700 crashes a year. I take where I'm actually on scene boots on the, on the road, helping pull bodies out of cars, looking at the evidence, looking at, at the damage and Phil's the same way. I mean, he handles hundreds and hundreds of crashes every single year. And so our ability to interpret that evidence that we're seeing on the roadway is far better than somebody who just went through college, but has never ever been on the scene of a live crash ever. Like if your car breaks down and you go to a mechanic shop, you have two choices. They cost the same. You have the, the guy who has been elbows deep in an engine his whole life or somebody who learned how to design an engine but has never even opened the hood. Who are you taking your car to to get fixed? Right? Yeah, exactly. It's, thing, it's kind of the same concept of, you know, your reconstructionists have so much uh, training and experience being on the live crashes to see, oh, this causes that mark. A car rotating this way causes that. This is why a car breaks that way. This is what causes the car to overturn, uh, opposed to somebody that just learned theory and, and learned it in a classroom. So, but an engineer is equally as important when you start looking at the vehicle. Like if you start talking vehicle defects or a design flaw, you know what I mean? Like, oh, maybe there was excessive vibration. Maybe there was excessive steering wheel lash. Maybe the brakes faded too fast. Maybe this, you know, maybe it was poor roadway design. Was the roadway, you know, the, the uh, super elevation of the road tilted towards the outside of the curve? Was the signage improper? Was the guardrail proper? All of that, that's all an engineer's wheel, wheelhouse, not a reconstructionist. So you got to understand what each kind of party does. A reconstructionist deals with the collision, the actual crash, the evidence. That's what our specialty is. A, a engineer does... Uh, deals with design and things like that. Uh, product defects. If you think like an airbag should have deployed and it didn't, don't call a reconstructionist, call an engineer. Yeah, right. you know? um, biomechanics engineers are just engineers, but they, they have further training to learn how bones break and how force will cause those bones to break, things like that. So, you know, you have all these different disciplines and they all have their, their uses. But the biggest mistake I see is that people call engineers and they go, hey, I had the car accident. Can you go out? And they send an engineer out to map a roadway and then try and interpret the evidence and everything else. And, and for the attorneys, if, if the other side does that, just get the engineer on the stand and ask him, okay, great. You interpreted the evidence. How much experience do you have doing that? Mm. How many live crashes have you ever actually been on the scene of? Yeah. They're like, uh, I've seen a test. We tested a car crash in school once. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, but the, you know, then you, you ask your reconstructionist, hey, how many live crashes have you been on? And they go, uh, 3,250. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a big difference. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, so, and, and you can kind of use that against each other too, because if you would have a reconstructionist that oversteps his bounds and tries to talk about, you know, injuries, uh, goes down that medical path or talks about a design flaw, like how many cars have you designed, officer, or reconstructionist? Mm-hmm. I've never. Okay. So it's, it's the same thing, just in reverse, just stay in your lane. Each per like be proud of what you do. I don't want to be an engineer. I only want to be a reconstructionist. 
you know, yeah. and I see too many, too many guys that want to be experts in every field. And, and I think that's a huge mistake. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head and, and the more experts that we depose, the smartest ones that I go back to again and again is when opposing counsel tries to paint them into a question that they're not prepared to answer and they're not qualified to answer. But the natural inclination of being the smartest person in the room is they try and give an answer. But the smart ones and the ones that I like say, I appreciate that question. I'm not here to talk about that. This is what I know affirmatively, this is what I'm here to talk about. What you're asking me is outside my wheelhouse. I'm not here to speculate on any of that. And I love that answer. The, the people that stick to what they know make way more hay in a case. They're way more credible and it, it pushes the ball forward. And that's what you want an expert to do. You need them to be an expert in their, in their very narrow field mm -hmm. and just give me that information. So to hear that's very refreshing. Yeah. And to be honest, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we just had a, a PI attorney reach out to us with a Gargill case. And she was like, you know, hey, can you guys work this case? And I, I flat out told her, I said, you know what? You're going to need us because the engineer, you're going to need an engineer to look at the Gargill, the actual yeah. installation of it, the design and everything else where it failed. I can't do that. But that engineer is going to need to know how fast was the car going when it hit the guardrail mm -hmm. and what angle did it hit the guardrail at. And that's, that's what we do. So I'm like, so yes, you, you do need us. But at some point, we're also going to have to get an engineer involved, and he's yeah. going to need a report for his analysis. So how so, do you – let me ask you this. How do you break it down for a jury? That's always my question with, with any expert because I'll – I mean, Jeff knows. I'll grill experts and be like, how are you going to say this? Because yeah. if you're going to say it in the way I read it in this report, I'm going to fall asleep. Jeff's going to fall asleep. My client's going to fall asleep, and the jury's already asleep. So, I mean, how do you, how do you guys break it down that you're like, hey, look, this is how the collision occurred. These are the forces involved. This is what I'm telling you. Well, Phil, uh, he keeps the jury's attention. He wears those 1980s belly shirts, the mesh one. <laughs> uh, like that's his, his go-to court uniform, right. which really holds their attention. Right, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, you know, this is, this is another place, too, where I think reconstructionists shine a little bit because your reconstructionists coming out of law enforcement, like we are the people's people. You know, like that's, that's what we do. That's what we've we've grown up in these communities. Um, we talk like normal people. We don't talk over their heads. Uh, we take a very simplistic uh, approach to a lot of things. And a good reconstructionist will also be an instructor. So when you're looking at CVs, you need to find a reconstructionist that teaches reconstruction, because if th that's ideally what you're doing in court, is I'm teaching the jury about this accident, and so. Mm -hmm is that the first time you ever want this guy to be teaching or do you want him to be comfortable getting up in front of people and presenting? Because like when I teach reconstruction, that's an 80 hour course that I have to keep attention of 80, you know, or maybe 30, 40 police officers who didn't want to be there. Their chief's making them go. Um, and I have to keep their attention, make it fun and make it understandable for them to be able to retain the material and be able to apply it. So you just, you hurt when you talk to them, that can break stuff down very simplistically is comfortable with a whiteboard uh, that can go up and draw things out, you know, can walk people through things just step by step and explain yeah. it in everyday terms. If they use a lot of jargon on the phone, on, on the phone with you when you're calling them, don't use that expert. Find somebody that can explain things in everyday common layman terms. Yeah. You know, I've been in, I've been in a depot with accident reconstructionists with defense accident reconstructionists where I mean, everything the person said, I was like, I need like a, I have to have like a physics PhD to understand what you're saying. So I was like, sure, man, sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to end this depot. And when I walked out, of a defense attorney looked at me and he said, man, this could be good, right? I was like, no, not for you. <laughs> I didn't understand anything. They're, the jury's not going to understand anything. So that's always my biggest pet peeve with any expert. Yeah. Like you know? I, I love taking my matchbox cars into court. Showing yeah. a jury exactly how they react. You know, and things like, I mean, because nothing is better than, than a practical demonstration or being able to demonstrate Newton's laws. Where are you guys located out of? So we have uh, our main offices in Akron, Canton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have a Southern office that's down uh, in Chillicothe, so more towards Southern Ohio. Okay. But that's our, that's our main area of, uh, of expertise. But over the years now, I've, I've accumulated enough airline miles that uh, we, we pretty much fly everywhere.
Yeah, so that, that's, that's kind of what I was asking. So let's say someone in Texas or, you know, we do work in Florida and then some work in California. Let's say we want to, you know, how much of that do you do and, and how much of it, because I know time is of the essence. Uh, do you ever partner with local people, maybe to pull some data and then, you know, can you do the majority of this remotely? Because it's all, you know, there's, a, there's an array as we look at our cases and what the value is. And, you know, sometimes we want the right people. But, I mean, as we're having this conversation, I'm like, man, this is so perfect for Zoom. You know, yeah. our trials are going Zoom. Zoom depositions are the new norm. You guys are very presentable. You guys have a lot of personality. And, you know, to take an expert like y'all for deposition would be amazing, especially the way we could play it. But, you know, the logistical issue of, you know, do you actually have to come down boots on the ground to see these cars? Or, you know, can you make it work where, you know, somebody sends you the information remotely, we take your deposition remotely, and then push it forward. So the way I always explain it to people, because we do it like, and I don't know how the reconstruction firms do it. I can only speak for myself. Uh, the only thing I ever ask for is airfare to be covered. And mm -hmm. there's more that you can't get to in the United States. So, I, you know, I'm like, you shouldn't have to pay for my time to come to my workplace. You know what I mean? So if I'm working in Florida, yeah, there's no charge for my time to fly there and, and drive around down there and stuff like that. Like the clock starts once I'm in Florida. So it's just like hiring a firm that's in Florida or just like hiring a firm that's in Texas. Like you're not paying for my travel time back and forth gotcha. um, because typically then when I'm there, I like to pimp out my services a little bit and be like, Hey, I'm working in Texas this month. <laughs> you know, so I can normally pick up like five or six cases, you know what I mean? Wherever I'm working at, um, which also really helps them because then really nobody's paying travel time because I'm just there. Right. So, nice. um, you know, that's the way that we work it out. And, and the nice thing is, 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 so I took an early retirement from my police department. I was injured by a drunk driver actually. Mm. And, uh, mm -hmm. so, uh, I was forced out, took an early retirement. Uh, I still maintain as a uh, reserve deputy just so that I can keep my commission. And I work with our counties. Uh, we have a, a joint crash team that goes out and investigates all the fatals for the whole county. So I'm, I'm one of their advisors to work on that just so I can stay current and proficient. Um, but yeah, so I get a lot of attorneys that call and they're like, Hey, got a case in, in New York. Can you be here in like six hours? Yep. No problem. Let me grab a plane ticket, you know? And, uh, and you just make it so that you knock everything out in one shot. So if I'm coming out, I'll track all the cars down, do the scene visit, do it. That way you're not paying multiple trips. Yeah. But, I know. always, I mean, me personally, I, I want to go to the scene. I want to, I want to go and, you know, physically put my hands on that scene, see it. Um, hey. Hey, my own well, eyes because it's it's tough to <laughs> it's tough to uh shut up eric it's tough to uh um to take somebody else's camera angle or video it's still from their their angle of, of from what they're wanting to see so it is somewhat biased and and turn that into what i want it to to look like so i'd rather see it with my own two eyes uh put my hands on the car take my own photos because i know what i want for photos and it's very tough even for Eric and I uh, and him and I've worked together for years. I still like to be the one to go take my pictures because I know what I'm looking for. And it's hard for me sometimes to put into words to tell Eric, I want this specific angle. And he's like, what this guy is crazy. <laughs> There's a reason I want it. There's a method to my madness, believe it or not. Um, so I'm with Eric, you know, you catch the plane down, you, you do all your legwork ahead of time. Where are my cars? You line up, you know, authorization to do your inspections or your imaging of the airbag module, get all that background work done, and then fly to your destination, knock it out, and fly home. Yep. And there's and there's nowhere you can't go in the U.S. right now. And that's the nice thing about being in Cleveland, Columbus, is our, our two biggest cities, is those are both international airports. So there's nowhere that we can't go on a direct flight that, that's more than 350 bucks. So, you know, it's the question, and, and I get that from the out-of-state attorneys that are like, well, you know, we got to get you out here. And it's like, okay, well, it's $350 worth it to get somebody that's actually really good at their job and really, really good at talking to people in court. Yeah, that's pretty nominal expense, you know. And, and that's the thing. It's, experts are always a value add and, and on many levels. One, because, again, former defense attorney, when I see somebody's actually retained experts, when I see an expert report, you know, as of when I was working at Allstate, I, I would see an expert report 
and look, I, you know, I had 200 files. Which one do you think I'm going to settle? The one where I got to go yell at experts and, and, and whatnot and get my counter experts. I'd write that report. Of, Can we just settle this? You know, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, l- l- let me take the low hanging fruit because uh, as a defense attorney, you don't get paid any extra for pouring someone out. You don't get paid any extra for, for being the, the best, you know, defense attorney. So take the path of least resistance. And if you're the plaintiff attorney that has your ducks in a row and has hired the right people, like you said, at the beginning of this podcast, you've hired people that are honest, ethical, and know what they're doing versus, yeah, I just paid that guy, you know, 800 bucks and he'll say literally whatever I want. Nobody needs that guy, you know, and, and that money, that value add is, is, is there. It's, it's quantifiable and tangible. Yeah. I, um, no, man, I gotta, I gotta echo that for, for two reasons. First, I think you're right. You know, you're, you're not making more money, you know, if you, if you try the case or whatever it may be, but you are going ahead in your career as a defense attorney, if you're moving cases. Right. And, uh, if this is the case where the plaintiff's got everything in their ducks in a row, then you should just move this and get it settled as opposed to anything else. And, you know, to, to the second point, yeah, it is a value added. I mean, if you got a hundred K in medical bills and you're a little bit worried about liability and you can share it up with a $350 ticket from these guys and a little bit of expense, why not? It's yeah. worth it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, our, our big thing is too, and as we try and grow more national, I mean, we've, the majority of our cases around the Great Lakes region, just because we've become such a known brand around here. Um, but as we start to reach out into the Florida, Georgia, Texas, you know, Arizona, stuff like that, where we're starting to gain some traction, um, is the, uh, I keep saying, like, the more cases I get, if you guys are interested, <laughs> uh, the, uh, I want to, like, basically buy out a, uh, like, a tour bus, and make it into, like, a, a mobile response unit. And, uh, you know, I'm like, there we go. I'm just going to be driving around the country. So, you know, I may be in your neighborhood. You don't yeah. know. <laughs> the traffic uh, uh, tour bus. You just tour, yeah. tour in the world or turn the nation. Oh, yeah, right? I, I can see through. I can see it now. Cousin Eddie pulling up. <laughs> just like Christmas vacation. Christmas. Yeah. Clark. Yeah. Dang, I have to see if that's trademark. Trademark. <laughs> But no, I think, you know, in all honesty, guys, I think it really comes down to, you know, unfortunately, because of some of the folks out there in this industry that are doing it wrong, um, or they're the liar for hire, they, they've done a really good job of tainting the credibility um, to some degree, this practice. And, and, and that's where Eric and I long time ago set the bar for ourselves extremely high where I'm, I'm not going down that path, you know, and, and I've told people in previous podcasts, if that's what you're looking for as a liar for hire, please do me this favor. Do not ever call me. I have no desire to go down that path and, uh, and- because at the end of the day, you know, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and be proud of what you're seeing. And, um, and, and the folks that are out there doing that stuff, you know, what do you want? What do you want the report to read? Um, they need to find something else to do. And uh, it, so getting the right expert up front, someone you trust, you know, and you know, you guys have been doing this long enough. You, you know, when someone's pulling your, pulling your leg and trying to pull fast one or, you know, man, they're really pushing the boundaries here. If someone's pushing the boundaries, no, because the evidence is what it is. You know, you should never have to manipulate, twist uh, or, 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 or fluff something to make it look a certain way. Yeah. It looks and, how it looks. Just, just accept it. And when, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a great perspective. I tell all my clients. I said, look, at the end of the day, because you know, you as attorneys, you get so many calls. Uh, you oh. know, and a lot of the cases are just off the walls. And and I tell everybody, I say, look, no matter what happens, we're going to answer questions for you. You might not like the answer, but yeah. we're going to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to hire the right people. They're going to tell me what's going on, and you might not appreciate the information at least you'll know the truth. And, and if, and, and I think the more people hear that good, bad, or indifferent, though they're happier, they're satisfied. And, and the other thing just to kind of circle back is to say, you know, some of the most observant people from all the trials that I've either second chaired, first chaired, I've just had the privilege of being around a lot of trials juries are smart and intuitive and if you're an expert 
an attorney or anybody, and you're lying to that jury, they sniff that out so quick. I'm always blown away by what 12 people in a box can determine. And I think, man, that whole time we all knew this, no one said it, it was in the background and, and, and they just, they just know, you know, they're, they're, I don't know. It's, it's very impressive. And so we only try and surround ourselves with people that are going to do exactly what you said, because it does us no good to up there and, and change the truth or spin the truth. The truth is what it is. So, yeah. Well, and I think to couple what you just said, or to piggyback off of number one, I think most of your jury members are 12 people sitting in that jury box. Most of them don't want to be there. So they too are looking for the needle in the haystack. What is the needle that's going to turn them from saying yep or no? And, and, and they're just waiting for that. They're waiting for that key piece of evidence to get testified to or the right person to testify to where now I heard this before and then I put this with it. Yep. I'm good to go now. I know it might, you know, cause they've, they know, you know, yeah. and, and, and they're waiting for it. You know, they are not, I don't, I, I just have a hard time believing they're all sitting there intuitively, you know, just wait, you know, pay attention in, to every single word they, they've got, they've got a goal or they've got an idea in their mind and you can't take it out of them. It is what it is. They're human at the end of the day. Um, so when you get that person up on the stand, that's trying to dazzle them with BS, they're not going to fall for it. Well, and, you know, at, at the end of the day too, the other thing too, that, that I just kind of wanted to add real quick was, uh, you know, I, I started off the, the show with, uh, saying we, we love hate mail. So I'm going to get a little more because there may be some experts that are tuning in. <laughs> Directed so to Eric. The challenge I'm going to throw down here real quick for any of the experts listening, but also for the attorneys listening. Here's the thing. I think so many people, you guys are so overloaded. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like if you only have one case on your desk, like I apologize, but <laughs> I think you have so many case files piling up on your desk, right? Phones ringing all day long, assistant, paralegal, everybody else asking questions, trying to negotiate deals. You're doing all this stuff. And then on top of that, you guys have all of these like people that are trying to sell you like VoIP phone systems and, and file <laughs> management software and sell you personal injury leads, right? Like, oh, we're going to guarantee you 10 cases a month and this, that, and the other. And then, and then on top of that, you've got your experts that are all sitting here with their hands out and they're like, well, feed me, feed me, feed me. And all, in, all the time, nobody's adding any value to you guys, right? Everybody only cares about themselves and nobody adds value back to you. And so that's one of the big things that I am challenging the industry with, I think industry-wide, is as experts, you got to realize, and this came from my Marine Corps days, of, you know, you had your main fleet Marine Corps, and then all of your assets, and, and think about, you know, being over in Iraq and things like that. Your big assets are like your, your sniper teams and, and all of your special forces and, and these guys. But the second they get compromised, they become a liability. Because now you have to send your troops out to go get them, right? And so... Your, your reconstructionist, they should all be assets for you. They should help make your job easier, not add to the stress. And so the second we add to the stress, we become a liability to you, not an asset. And so my, my challenge industry-wide is help the attorneys out, right? Like that's why we do free reviews because how easy is that when you get a brand new case in, the first thing you do is you just send it off to the expert you're working with and you're like, hey man, review it. Good case, bad case, should I take it, should I not? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? Where is, where is the defense going to attack me at? And they should, any expert should be willing to do that for free. And if they're not, just don't, don't use them. Because that's a service they should do for free for the amount that you guys already do for us. I think that's only fair. Well, yeah. I mean... Nobody's nobody's gonna turn the nose up at free for sure. <laughs> but but I, I think I think more importantly that speaks less to a sales pitch of more confidence in the, the services you provide. You yeah. know that that's the same reason I think uh, you know attorneys say free consult. You know of course it's free because if the case is garbage I'm not gonna sign you up. You know I mean right. I, I, you know if you're yeah. confident in your services you're confident in your knowledge and your and what you can bring. Uh, you don't need to charge for the consult because as soon as you open up with that information then you know it's it, it sold itself at that point yeah sure yeah. right you know and, and like i said it's not you know don't just ask them for for that free consult though. make sure you're getting um i don't know just something for like if you guys are using the same experts over and over and over again they should be giving you something back even on the losers so the cases that suck like i tell that to our attorneys all the time I'm like dude this is a horrible case and this is why this is you know, so you're not, you can't use us on this one because like we just will add no value to your case. But just FYI, this is where the defense is going to attack. 
and I'll, I'll give them that kind of written synopsis of like, be weary of this or this or this view obstruction, or if somebody says this, like, just watch that because that's where they're going to come. Man, you know, that's great. At, at least yeah. Give that to them so that at least we give you something. We provided some sort of value to you. But something that would be awesome would be an, like an ebook or even just some tips and tricks for cross-examining the so, the OC, you know, opposing counsel or defense counsel on, you know, look, if they have an accident, rec- this is what you need to hit them with. Yeah. Yep. Interesting you brought that up. One, That's uh, what I was thinking. We do. We, we have a book coming out next month, hopefully. Uh, I, I got to apply for our uh, ICBN number, but it, it's pretty much done at this point. Um, and it's the attorney's guide to accident reconstructions. Um, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right on point. That, that will be available on Amazon. Um, and then I've already actually started filming the content. Uh, and I've brought in some of the, the top experts from around the world and tires and everything else. Um, we're going to do just an initial free 45 minute webinar that, you know, just to get you comfortable with the ideas of recon for, for the attorney's perspective. Um, but then we're actually going to run a, a 30 uh, class module that just 15 minute videos that go through everything that you need to ask and give you like the written guides for depots and stuff like that, where you can actually ask questions and places for notes and things like that. So well, we're yep. going to link, we're going to link all of that stuff yeah. whenever we get that information, because that is uh, that's fantastic because especially in Texas and especially, you know, I, I can't speak for any other state, but the, the, the movement towards litigation is happening where insurance companies wanted to go to lit. They'd rather send out denials. They're hiring their own ex- experts. And what they've realized is these insurance companies have so much, so much money. They can mm-hmm. leverage volume to their experts, pay them basically nothing and slap every single one of them on cases and make it much more difficult for, for plaintiffs because they all play a numbers game. And what we talk about constantly is how do we fight that? How do we stay ahead of the curve? And to the same way that you want your y'all's industry to get better. We want all, we want better lawyers out there. We want them yeah. to know these resources. This is how you get a, re, this is why you need them. And this is how it's going to help your case. Trust me, spend the money. It's going to be a value add. And, and like you said, but just don't, don't just don't hire those ones that they're, you know, these big insurance companies yeah. are dropping small amounts, you know, five, 600 bucks, but they're doing a hundred of them, you know, you know, every two months. Yeah. So, so that's well, awesome. Like, and, yeah. and to that right there, it almost kind of eludes to the, the the possibility or at least the mindset of, well, are you going to bite the hand that feeds you? If you're going to feed me 100 cases a year and pay me $750 to do each case, I'm going to make sure each case comes in your favor. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, okay. and I hope that's not the case. I hope they have a bigger, a, a bigger, uh, a higher bar for integrity and whatnot. But at the end of the day, the temptation's there and you can't help if that's not what's going on too. Well, they don't. They they don't. I, I, I personally, I personally know experts when I worked at the insurance companies that that would send me awful emails saying, "You guys have ruined my career because you used me so much. I got struck so many times. I can get no work." And I'm like, "Well, that sounds like a you problem. Maybe you should have just turned out these garbage reports. You know, I'm glad you made money for a year and a half, but now you've been struck. I mean, forty-seven times. Forty-seven. Worthless. Oh, I mean, you think about the uh, the hearing we had two weeks ago." where I got that expert struck and the judge was like, I mean, we attached how many orders yeah. of this person being struck? Before? He's like, oh, this person, and oh, they're struck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very familiar with this expert. Uh, That's we so say I, I can't even imagine having my, my testimony limited, let alone actually struck from, I mean, like that's, yeah. that's insane to even fathom. But, but here's, the, here's the rub and here's the insider peel back the curtain is that so the adjuster's not in that meeting, right? And if any insurance defense attorney ever tells you they work for their client, you know, they're a bullfaced. That would be my favorite thing. I would get up there and they would say, and this Allstate attorney, whoa, 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 guys. I don't represent Allstate. I represent Mr. Joe Smith. And if you need to get a hold of me, email me at jeffmccarthy at allstate.com. Call 1-800-ALLSTATE extension. You know, I mean, but, you know, and, and, and so that's just, you know, what they do. And, and you get in these hearings. And when that expert gets struck, do you think that report goes back to the adjuster as, hey, we hired this garbage expert and we've used them so many times? No, they write back, well, the fix was in. You know, the judge just doesn't like us as an insurance company and defense attorney. So, um, you know, so the truth is not getting back to these adjusters. 
but at the end of the day, if we as plaintiff attorneys, we can't hire those garbage people because our actual dollars are on the line. I mean, 100%. You just can't do mm -hmm. that. Well, and uh, I say if you guys want to offer something to your listeners, uh, a little free free resource, um, and you guys feel free to check it out if you guys want to do it before you, you offer it. Um, but it's a brand new group. Are you guys part of the listserv, the national listserv or anything like that? Um, I get a lot of listserv emails. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> if not, we're going to get on it immediately for sure. Okay. So basically what we did, and, and we wanted to do something where the, where the actual, where the experts were on there too. And so we just started brand new. I think we only got like 20 attorneys on there right now, but it's only for PI attorneys. It's a private group on Facebook. And like, we, there's no sales pictures, no ads, no spam, none of that crap. I just compiled experts. Um, not even all just crash tech experts. Like they're just, they're all experts. And we just sit there and moderate. So like, if you guys had like a picture, you know, a PI attorney could throw on there and be like, Hey, do you think there's a speed issue here? You know, and you've got all these experts moderating the group that can give you guys opinion be like, yeah, you know, I think you got a speed issue. Oh, I think you got a light lighting issue. You might have a view obstruction issue. You might have this, you might, you know, um, and then plus with all the other attorneys on there, the more attorneys you get, you start getting a couple hundred, you know, you guys can all help each other out and, you know, Hey, does anybody have a, a resource for this or something for that? Yeah. Right. It's a, it's just something we kind of wanted to do to, to bring the experts into the, into the kind of that listserv environment so that you guys could just ask simple questions and just get a quick answer. Like, you know, no, that's, that's super helpful. I mean, there's been times where I've posted on a, uh, a listserv, you know, a, a local one here in Texas or Houston one or whatever it may be and asking for some sort of expert. Cause I'm like, I don't, I never dealt with XYZ case. Let me see. So it'd be helpful to put on a list of where there are actually experts say, yeah, I do that. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I mean, like, you know, cause I saw like you like doing truck cases, you know, you throw on there a, a picture of a semi for Phil, like, you know, Hey Phil, man, you know, this semi look like something that would have done this or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, and he can always respond. You know, yeah. Yep. I think you got a good case there. So it just kind of became a, a really, just that passionate thing. And people will message us on there. Some of the attorneys, just, just the easy thing. Like, Hey, the 2008, Ford Explorer downloadable. Yep. You know, it's just, it's just a quick, easy, because everybody's got their phone on them all the time. Just pull the group up, throw a question on there and get an answer. Well, yeah, send us a link to that as well, too.